guys, and welcome to another episode of Girl Boss Radio from Panoply. I'm Sophia Amoruso, the founder of NastyGal.com, the author of the New York Times best-selling book, Girl Boss, and the author of Nasty Galaxy, a beautiful, fully illustrated, linen-bound, full-color book with everything from how to mute your poop to a trip inside my house and my closet to Q&As with 12 different women who I consider girl bosses who inspire me. You can reserve your signed copy today at nastygal.com slash book. On this podcast, I interview a different woman who's carved out a unique path for herself. We trace her from her first job to how she got to where she is today to extract solid advice for our listeners who are doing the same with their lives. That's you. You're doing it too. To stay in touch with all things Girl Boss, to watch these podcasts live on Facebook Live Video, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Girl Boss. You can sign up for our newsletter, Girl Boss Diary, by going to girlboss.com. And you can follow me, Sophia Amoruso, that, at Sophia, with a P-H, Amoruso, that's A-M-O-R-U-S-O, on Twitter and Instagram. I hope Girl Boss Radio helps you to achieve your goals, or at the very least provides some amount of inspiration for you. So my ask of you is this. Help me achieve my goals. If you like our podcast, please subscribe in iTunes and share your love on social media. We made it into the top 100 on iTunes recently, and we really want to stay there. And with your help, we can do it. So please tell your friends about Girl Boss Radio. Today's guest is Emily Weiss, the founder and CEO of Into the Gloss and Glossier. But first, Liz Carey's back on the show. She's an actor, comedian, and one of my best friends. You can find her at the Liz Carey on Instagram. We'll be talking about the highs and lows of our week, our girl boss moments, and of course, your girl boss moments. So, hey, Liz. Hey, Sophia. We're back again. Yeah, nice to see you. Nice to see you. Yeah, guten tag. Yeah, exactly. How's your week been? Oh, you know, pretty good. How about you? I'm pretty good. I went to New York. Oh, yeah, you did. Went to New York. I got invited to someone was like, hey, do you have time to like brainstorm on this on Wednesday? Or you could just like fly to New York with us on a on this private plane. Ooh, ooh, um, I love a private. And then we could actually just use that time. And I was like, a uh, free trip to New York? Yeah. Uh, flying private? Yeah. Okay. So I did that Thursday through Monday and got a lot done. I mean, it was a weekend, so I saw friends, but I had Thursday night and all day Friday. And it's just nice to go over there and show face yeah. and like bang on people's doors and be like, hey, just making sure you're still thinking about me. <laughs> that's, Hi. that's literally like half of getting anything done in the world. Oh. At least half. Maybe more than half is just showing up in people's faces and being like, hey, remember me? I'm yeah. still important to you because I'm here and now you're I'm at the top of your mind. <laughs> mm-hmm. In my and, world, that's called a general. Yeah, I don't know. I just do it. My st- I just fuck. You have a general meeting at Comedy Central at one. You have a general. Yeah. It means that there's absolutely no, no job. <laughs> it's yeah. just you're there for to have coffee and get in their face. Yeah, I do it. I do it with everyone. Yeah. In and outside of entertainment, I guess. That's like me going the other night for dinner. I was like, oh, man, I'm super tired. I don't want to pants, you know, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But it was like semi-work related, so you just hustle. I feel like this is an important week for you. Um, this is an important week because if you guys may have seen on my Instagram yesterday, I'm on the cover of Forbes. What? Magazine. Like oh, what? Like what? Like who? Like what? What? I still don't believe it. I'm just excited we can talk about it because I knew about it. Is it lame it. that I don't believe it? Is it disappointing as a listener that I'm like in disbelief? Or am I supposed to be like, yes? No. This is me. It's a big deal. I've earned it. 
<laughs> I did really good at keeping a secret. Can I get an award for that? Yeah, you did a good job. God, keeping really your hard now keep I can trust her because I've never really. Yeah. Asked, well, it's always been know, on the. I've kind of been on the edge there. I didn't know she's got a big mouth. She screenshots everything. I really do. Yeah. So do I. Um, but I got to see photos of the like shoot and she looks so. Thank you. I brought my A game. She brought her A game. But do you guys want to hear something really funny? What? Well, I'm wearing a dress on the cover, uh-huh. and it's Balmain, you know, mm. like the Kardashians wear all the time. Yeah. Like expensive French designer. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they actually just make incredible blazers. and really They do. They cut well. structured stuff. And when you do a shoot with Forbes, you have to bring your A game. A. Like their whole thing is like you need to look like you could mm-hmm. be a billionaire. I'm not a billionaire. I mm-hmm. will probably never be one. I don't know if I even want to be because it would probably make me a really weird person. No. But – I do know that for different magazines, like you, I mean, like with any kind of publication, with any kind of photography that you're shooting for anything, if you ever want to negotiate more space for yourself in that magazine or more premium placement, you better show up and bring, bring it Mm -hmm. because then they have assets. They have photography that they really like. I'm not saying this necessarily happened with Forbes, but I always try to bring my game, whether it's a fashion magazine or business publication or just my podcast. But Mm -hmm. When they have like these photos and they're like, oh, damn, like you basically want to be the reason that they can sell magazines, right? You yeah. want to be the thing that is like, wow, people are going to like this photo. They call that the wow factor. Oh, thanks, Liz. Mm-hmm. This is a great business podcast. You guys are learning. Liz is, I well, learned so much from you, Liz. I know. <laughs> and, and it's a great chance for me to unleash my, while Sophia was shooting Forbes, I was shooting a, can't really, I can't release the name of the dog food commercial, but um, <laughs> I too wore my suit because when people, you know, I just, you know, same branding. Um, <laughs> so that's a big deal. My mom's super proud. Yeah. And I'm using the opportunity to strike while the iron's motherfucking hot. Yeah, yeah. And tell you guys, we're going to host the first, the inaugural Girl Boss Summit, which is an event that anyone can come to where you'll learn things stuff <laughs> no, hopefully i'll have it's an event anyone can come to and it's really just distilling everything in my book on this podcast and so much more from incredible women that i've been so privileged to have access to and bring you that access so stay tuned for more information you can go to girlboss.com and sign up for the newsletter girlboss diary and we will let you know as speakers are announced as Tickets go on sale as there's more information, but I just thought that I would use the cover of Forbes magazine to be like, you know what, motherfuckers, I don't know how to do an event, and but I don't I, know who's speaking, but I can invite you. But January's far enough out, and guess what? I'm on the cover of Forbes. We're going to do it. So, do it. Do yeah. it. Do it. Do it. Oh, God. Just do it. Okay. So you're sober. I'm drunk. Day drunk <laughs> as usual. Yeah. I've gone like, this is like well over a month now, like- 40 days sober. Now you know how I feel when you were making me dr- sober karaoke with your drunk ass last year. I can't believe you even came out. <sighs> I haven't gone out in so long. I have no desire. And it is exhilarating that I yeah. have no desire to go out. Well, I'm still drinking and have no desire to go out. But <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. That's all right. It's okay. <laughs> we just a couple of ladies from the... No, where's Bill talking about? Yeah, just nothing. in the closet farting. Yeah. Congratulations on that, sobriety. Oh, thanks. You know what's funny for me is every time I try and get sober or go on like a health cleanse, every nobody notices. And then when I eat like garbage, they're like this, God, your skin looks great. 
I mean, I've cut dairy and um, alcohol out. The back of my arms feels like a baby's bottom. Oh, yeah, they do. Yeah, it never used to be like that. I don't know what's going on. Is that an exercise? And, like, all kinds of cool things are happening. Uh. What else do you want to talk about? Uh, we both – I did Alexi's podcast, a friend of ours. We had fun. Yeah, Alexi's been on this podcast. I've been on hers, too. How was um, it? It was fun. I talked a lot about my personal life. She's – if Alexi – I would hire Alexi to work for the FBI. Mm. Why do you say that? She's a good interrogator. Mm-hmm. She's, she's good. Yeah, she's a good interviewer. She's, she's good. Yeah, she's good. Asks I, a lot of questions. I, can, I could see myself divulging things and being like, oh, my God, what did I just say? You know what I did this week? What? I went on the Adam Carolla show. You did? I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, that's right. It's pretty cool. I, ha- I got, I got I mean, it. I tell you, though. I grew up listening to him. He was awesome. Yeah. 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 That's right. So that's tune right. in that's and right. listen to that. I will listen to that. Yeah, he asked me all kinds of crazy questions. Cra- you're crazy. Did you give me all I'm kinds of crazy, crazy answers? Oh, so crazy. Mm. So each week, we ask you, our listeners, to go on the Girl Boss Instagram or Twitter. The interwebs. And one, follow us and follow me at Sophia Amoruso and follow Liz Carey at the Liz Carey for all your sad <laughs> comedy needs. And hashtag in your Girl Boss moment. Um, so we can find it through the hashtag. It's Girl Boss moment without mm-hmm. an S. And a girl boss moment can be anything from I got a haircut and feel like a new woman to I just started my own company and I made my first sale. So you guys tweet and hashtag Instagram in your girl boss moment yeah. and we read them on the show. You are appreciated. Liz, what's your girl boss moment? Well, I feel proud that I had a moment last week. So this week it's another lesson. No, my lesson was I realized that all of my relationships have not been ended by me, so I need to have a little look-see <laughs> <laughs> over the old diary as to what's going on there. Um, Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I have a pattern of getting a little dumboed. Okay, moving on. I think mine is uh, being spontaneous. Oh. Yeah. I went to New York on like the drop of a dime Mm. and was like sure i wasn't planning on being out of town but actually i can make this work and i'm gonna go fly on a private jet with someone to just see what happens and see what kind of brainstorming comes out of it and it was actually really great um and i got to see some important people in my life for for just a day just a day gabriella contrary Help me with that. Hello, Gabby and Co. At Hello, Gabby and Co. Stopped by the UCLA Graduate Open Studios to learn about the program and bumped into uh, Sophia Amaroso. Yeah! I went and saw my friend's art at the art school. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Julie Hightower at A Better Day Julie. So much fun last night at the Ladies' Night event. Sponsored by events by a epic girlboss moment. Ooh, at Diane Lindquist says, my girl boss moment of this week is being able to plot my outline for upcoming Squarespace workshop. That's cool. <gasps> Squarespace. They're sponsor. We like Squarespace. Squarespace. Yeah. Both of our Squarespaces are gone. What? No, I use my Squarespace. No, I mean my, your gut. The small town stylist at TST Stylist. Catching up at Girl Boss Radio and Sally Krawcheck is inspired. Thanks for dynamic guests. That's cool. Girl Ooh, Boss cool. Radio can be your girl boss moment. We like that. 
MCMC at Marina MCMC says, uh, hashtag girl boss moment, crafting email to personal assistant of big boss hotel owner mm-hmm. and getting an answer right back. Hashtag oh. know where the power lies. <laughs> Elizabeth Schaefer at Shutterbug Scale, working from a bed. Happy Friday, y'all. All right. Oh, man. Working from bed is awesome. It is. I can get a lot done. I, I lasagnaed from bed last night. Oh, yeah. I am um, chicken tikka masala. It was creamy, wasn't it? It was creamy and orange. <laughs> Kathy at KB Creativity says, started my day with some at Girl Boss podcast. I love how it starts with Liz and Sophia's convos. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. No we, more of these. Kathy, we know that it's probably my mom. <laughs> just, I know, yeah. It's like you tweeting it yourself. Yeah. I'm like, um, I love it Char- when Liz tells jokes. <laughs> Charlita Huffman at Charlita H. Finally wrangled my friends in continuing our awesome co- podcast, You Do Boo. Do you boo. Do you boo. Oh, do you boo. Do you boo. <laughs> and we're so excited to start back up. Hashtag girl boss moment. Awesome, Charlie. Okay. Do you um, boo. Okay. Thanks, Liz. Thanks, Sophia. You smell. You stink. Okay, bye. All right, let's get to the interview. As the New York Times put it, Emily Weiss is the beauty guru for millennials. In 2010, she started Into the Gloss, a website dedicated to beauty that explores the routines of inspiring women. Emily and her editors sit on the bathroom floors of everyone from Jenna Lyons, Kim Kardashian, to yours truly to talk products, career, and what beauty means to women today. In 2014, Emily took another step and expanded her beauty business with Glossier, a modern beauty brand made by editors who get what works and who are inspired by what girls really want. Thank you for being here, Emily. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming all the way to Los Angeles from your beautiful headquarters in New York City. Oh, my glamorous friend. We like to start every episode asking our guests what their first job was. So first crap job and then first real, real job. job. Um, first crap job was I was a babysitter, which was not a crap job. I really enjoyed the, the child that I babysat for. I was a hostess at a restaurant, which was way too much for me. People can be very rude to hostesses, and sometimes it's not your fault. Anyway, I did that. And then um, my first real job was an internship I had for most of college. I went to NYU, and I interned at Teen Vogue for like – Three years. So I would consider that a job because I was there a lot. You an internship for three years? Yeah. That's amazing. Was you, were you paid? No. Wow. I don't think so. I think like maybe one time I was, but then it was like not about the, the money. Did you learn a lot? I learned a lot. I learned a lot about how highly functional companies work. So I, I would say Condé Nast, you know, I, I was very fortunate to work at Teen Vogue and I was hired by Amy Astley, who was the editor-in-chief, now just uh, got appointed editor-in-chief of Architectural Digest, which oh, no. is super exciting. Super exciting. Um, congratulations, Amy Congratulations, Astley. Amy. No, Amy's really a wonderful person and Elaine, who became the editor now, uh, was actually the beauty director of Teen Vogue. So I'm excited for her too. Oh, wow. Yeah. What did you learn working in the inner sanctum of, it's Teen Vogue, but it's Vogue. It's Anna's. It's the Vogue family. It's Anna's jam. Yeah. What was that like? And when did you know it was time for you to move on? So I, I graduated college and I got a job at W Magazine as a fashion assistant, which I was really bad at. I was actually a really bad fashion assistant. It's a, you have to be so organized to call in all the clothes for shoots. So I like to think that I was either going to get fired or I was going to quit. And it was just a matter of like which would happen first. Mm -hmm. And I ended up quitting, but if I hadn't quit, I probably would have gotten fired. 
And it's usually how it works. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so anyway, I ended up uh, really being lucky in that I found a great boss in Elisa Santisi, who was the style director of Vogue for many, many years. And now she left and she is a very prominent stylist in New York and around the world. And she does a lot for Harper's Bazaar. But at the time that I worked for her, what was really great, which was we were freelance, so we weren't actually – we were there, but we weren't really there. Um, we did a lot of different, like, show styling and a lot of different freelance projects that took me places like Dubai. And Elisa is just to this day, like, such a great friend, even though I probably drove her nuts. I definitely drove her nuts. Like, if you if we called her up in this radio show, she would probably say, like, I was really That would be a fun annoying. segment on the show. Yeah, like, call your old boss. Call your old boss. Terrifying. Like, What's up? <laughs> be like, so let's do an on-the-air reference check. Yeah. How was Emily? Thanks for letting me be such an asshole. No, I wasn't an asshole. I was just really precocious. Like, I love, you know, I love storytelling and I love content and I love creativity and bringing teams together. And those are all things that Elisa is really just incredible at. So I I, I really learned from her. Um, Would you consider her your mentor? I think, yeah, she's one of them. I don't think I have just one. I think I have, like, different mentors for different things. I have more business mentors, more creative mentors. But I'm also really inspired by Elisa's family. I mean, she has, like, a great daughter who's going to college who I've known since she was 10 and a really awesome husband. So I like the fact that she's managed to be really successful and also have this really, like, creative, fun family. Cool. For our listeners who don't know what Into the Gloss or Glossier are, how do you describe what it is that you do, Emily. So how I describe what I do, I founded a beauty blog called Into the Gloss in 2010 out of my apartment. So very little money. You know, I spent, I think, like 700 or something dollars to hire someone very, very, very talented to collaborate with me on uh, the, the web building and all the parts of the, you know, the blog that I couldn't do. But I ended up really thinking I wanted to give more of a voice to beauty because I was coming from this very high fashion world where beauty got kind of like, it was sort of like the ugly stepsister. And I really wanted to make it like the main event and really talk about beauty as an element of personal style and about, yeah, like how people express themselves through through beauty and not even express themselves, but maybe almost like the inner life of like, you know, women's beauty habits um, exposed. So I launched the blog in 2010 and what I do now is we've incorporated into Glossier Inc. and into the Gloss is our editorial platform. And Glossier is a direct-to-consumer beauty products company that was born on the internet. So we're digitally native. We launched in the fall of 2000, 2014. So we're like 18 months old. Um, we're a baby. We're a little baby. And we're based in New York City and we're making really um, modern, essential beauty products for everybody who uses moisturizer and, you know, wants to have a great beauty routine, we hope we're making that possible by creating this this really incredible customer experience and really amazing products. So you you started into the gloss as a blog. Mm-hmm. Um, were you working at the time? Or was that the only thing that you were doing? I was. So I like I really, really hustled to get here. I don't I didn't hustle like you hustled. Like I never dumpster dove. That was just being stupid. Yeah, I mean, but you've hustled as much as I've Well, listen, I think like I knew that into the gloss was going to be become, I hoped and I sort of knew deep down that other people would enjoy it besides me. So I wasn't doing it for myself. But it took a lot of work to to get it off the ground because 
a blog can be anything. I mean, a blog at this point today, six years later, can be your Instagram, your Snapchat. You don't actually need like a .com website to have a blog. We were just talking about this last night to, to make content. Mm-hmm. It doesn't need to be a desktop central website. But at the time, you know, I really wanted to create this like super high quality beauty content. So really long form, fully immersive articles, almost like the New Yorker of beauty in a way. And, um, really incredible like quality photographs. And so I taught myself how to use a camera. I would do all the interviews with people at their homes. You know. I remember when you came over. Yeah, I came over and I would go to people's houses and do the shoots mostly on the weekends because I was working full time at Vogue during the week. And then I would post about three mornings a week. So before work. So this was, I would never be able to do this now. I'm like too old. But at the time I was like wide eyed and bushy tailed with boundless energy. And I would wake up every morning of the week at like for and post and like edit photos or, you know, write or edit transcripts. So I didn't have an intern at first, you know, or anything. I was just That's like one way to keep yourself out of trouble. Just like go to bed at 9 p.m. Yeah, as exactly. An early exactly. So I was working full time for a year before I, I quit working at Vogue to do into the gloss full time. When did you get the idea for Glossier? Because it seems like it reads like such a perfect story. I'm going to get in the closets of, well, the beauty closets of everyone out there to see what the best shit is and what people love and use that as a learning tool to, you know, start product development. And I know what's in these products and I know what is a cult product. Was this something that was always planned? When did you get the idea for Glossier? So for me, I really just wanted to get out there and start exploring and having these conversations with women and really getting like a lay of the land, mostly, frankly, like for myself, like I'm obsessed with, you know, the first interview I did for Into the Gloss was with Sally Singer, who's the, you know, she's the leader at Vogue.com right now, but she's just this like really intellectual fashion genius, like critic, writer. And I also did like Carly Kloss when she was like, you know, we were both like coming up. I mean, this was, I knew Carly from Vogue from like dressing her backstage to shoot. And I, I just loved the ability to be able to like connect with these women outside of work who I may not ever be able to connect with unless I said, Hey, can, can I come shoot you for this project? Can I do this beautiful profile on you? Mm-hmm. And so for me, it was kind of like a way to be nosy and learn all the tips and tricks that I wanted as a consumer about beauty. And it ended up kind of like organically progressing where I started to realize that it takes a lot more than a great product to make a great brand, right? Like, yes, it's the baseline to have a wonderful beauty product, but I almost started to realize that product only was like 50% of it and brands weren't meeting women the other with the other 50% in terms of like experience, right? Mm-hmm. So you might say, oh, I love this, you know, such and such mascara, but you're not saying I, I love that brand and I want to wear that brand sweatshirt. Mm-hmm. So you, you really, I, I started to realize brands weren't really like, they were almost speaking down to people. They weren't really um, understanding the, that the majority of beauty purchasing decisions were made via like friend-to-friend recommendations, exactly like what's happening on Into the Gloss, were made through like the comments section, were made through YouTube videos. Like it's very rare these days that we just walk into a Sephora or walk into a department store and talk to a stranger and say, hey, tell me about my face. Like, mm-hmm. can you give me advice? Usually we're looking at YouTube videos or we're looking at Into the Gloss or we're just looking at someone's Instagram. So I really wanted to create a beauty brand like who makes incredible products that everyone hopefully can kind of afford a piece of, right? You don't have to, Mm -hmm. I don't think luxury is like synonymous with super high prices. So we wanted to create a range of products that give you all the best results of like a 
luxury product, but with like an actually luxurious experience, which to me means, you know, multi-channel engagement, communication, like a great end-to-end customer experience from the time you order to the time you get your box and then seeing what's in that box and it's not just pick and packed and thrown the packaging in. packaging is beautiful. It's actually like a whole experience to know that then afterwards, if you have any questions, you can FaceTime us or you can, you know, write us an email. Like you just wouldn't get that if we were mm-hmm. all over the place and selling through third-party retailers. So I was really excited just to take sort of the best of beauty and then really like modernize it, you know, really sort of say if there were no beauty brand that existed before now, how would you have a beauty store? How would you have a, you know, a great beauty product? How would you make a great beauty brand? So that meant for us things like no superfluous packaging in terms of like, you know, there's not, these products are not like compacts and flying saucers. They're pretty like stripped down, Mm -hmm. you know, so just kind of evaluating everything, reevaluating, I think, like every piece of, of the industry and thinking like, how can we do this in a way that really serves today's woman better? Cool. Yeah. So the word beauty can be such a polarizing word. You know, it can mean one look. It can literally mean face wash. Like, how do you characterize the word beauty in the Glossier world? That's such a good – I've never been asked that question. Really? Yeah. Good one. What is beauty? You know, what's interesting is we talk a lot about about how in terms of, like, today's approach to, to beauty or not even to beauty but just in most women I know. Most women I know today – regardless of beauty, aren't seeking to become someone else, right? They're seeking self-actualization. They're seeking, like, to become the best version of themselves. I think there's definitely outliers, and there's women who really just want to still be, like, Eva Longoria on the red carpet or, like, Kim Kardashian, and you'll do everything to, like, transform yourself with hair and makeup into another character to, like, escape your own reality. But I think that we've really moved on from that, like, I hope, you know, in, in a big way. And so... I think what Glossy is hoping to do is is really use beauty as the conduit to be able to help women understand that like you're enough in a way. It's like you, like wherever you're at, even if you haven't graduated college yet and you're only two years in, or even if you are only an assistant, you're not yet a manager. I'm still only two years in. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, like that we're all on this journey to like become better. And I think that there are very few people or brands or institutions that really celebrate the journey and like wherever you're at as being a place to be proud of. And so, you know, I think beauty hopefully at least in Glossier terms, is is really like a tool that we use to be able to help women feel more confident, engaged, happy, you know, whatever you may say, just content also, um, instead of like always reaching to go to that next level. Beauty being for you rather than for everyone else mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. to look like everyone else. Exactly. Just, you know, hey, eyelashes are pretty. Let's make them a little longer. Yeah, and I yeah. think, but I think at the same time, you know, Beauty unites us all, and and it's amazing to me that you can look at a Glossier Priming Moisturizer, which we designed to, like, you know, make your skin look great on its own or underneath makeup. Like, it really helps your makeup go on, and it's incredible to me the range of women who appropriate that one single product. Like, it'll be everyone from me who normally wears, like, literally nothing, I'm, like, the biggest scrub, through to, like, a YouTube beauty phenomenon who makes herself into like a Tyrannosaurus Rex, like with like, (laughs) with like, with like, you know, makeup and you can all be united by like this one single product. And I think that that's kind of a cool thing too. Absolutely. And so did you ever raise money for Into the Gloss? No, we, we ended up raising for the first time in um, 2013. We raised $2 million from Kirsten Green, who's one of the few female venture capitalists in the world. It's, it's a, 
hugely male dominated and centric industry mm-hmm. venture capital. Who like are like, what's some lipstick? What is that? Yeah, to no fault Why to no a, fault of their my own. My wife uses the Maybelline. Why should exactly. I invest in you? Exactly. So we raised from Kirsten, who's great. I mean, she's behind companies like Warby Parker, Everlane, I think. Don't quote me on that. Um, well, you're getting credit for it today, yeah. Kirsten. Exactly. Dollar Shave Club. Yeah, so she's she really understands digitally native brands. She was a retail analyst during like the height the heyday of malls. And so she really understands well. she really understands this like migration toward digital and e-commerce and, and digital brands. So she was the first one to really believe in Glossier and and give us some money for that. Cool. Yeah. How much of you know what you wanted to do with Glossier did you have to put together when you raised your first round of money? And how oh did God. you you know, how did you present yourself? And like, do you have any tips for presenting yourself or, you know, selling your idea? Yeah, I think um, I could I could answer this a few different ways. I mean, in, in my particular case, what I found is interesting is, you know, our business has grown a lot. I mean, we've raised two rounds of funding. So we raised the first round of $2 million to build Glossier before Glossier had a name, before we knew what products we were going to build. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, really so hard to pitch that, right? And then the A was a little bit different because we were just about to launch. So we had the physical products. We we were showing it to someone. We still didn't have real data, but at least we had like a real business plan, right? Whereas at first it was like, hey, I really want to like create this brand new beauty brand and company. And they're like, what does it look like? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I and just, they're like, I here's need, $2 million. I need money to figure that out. No, I mean, I think, you know, the beauty, the global beauty market is like a, you know, nearly half trillion dollar industry. So it is... It is a big market. And a lot of these venture capitalists really look at market size and they look at like lifetime value and mm-hmm. like all, all of these things. And I didn't know what any of that meant at the time, but I was just so passionate about it. And I think when at first, at least what I've heard from our original investors, a lot of it has to do with like people invest in the founder. So take that for whatever it means. I don't know why they invested in me, but I'd I, invest in you. Thanks, Sophia. But I think like, I don't know how to use like Excel. So it's not like I'm, I didn't go to business school. I went to art school. So you know how to use, you can do a few things on Excel. F- right? I mean, a few, yeah. but like, that's not my forte. Like totally. I'm a creative founder. I'm the same. I, I know what I don't know. And, and I'm very fortunate to have a great team of people who are very different from me. And I think that's what makes a great business business like come to life. Um, but I would say, I also think what's really important is to know what you're not good at and be able to really articulate that. So, you know, bravado, I think, disguises like a lot of... I'm pounding my chest if yeah, you can't hear it. It's just, I think you can go in and you can say, hey, this is why I'm so amazing and this is why my thing will work. But I think what's really important is to say, here are all my doubts and here's what I think could go wrong. And this is how maybe I would handle that or this is the percentage chance that that might happen. Just to be more like realistic, really try and anticipate your blind spots. And I think that gives people a real sense of, one, it's better for your business. You shouldn't do anything for your investors. You should do it for your business. I think, you know, what's good for your business is ultimately good for your investors. But I think being pretty like honest about, yeah, your blind spots and your weaknesses is is extremely important. You're such an expert and you are someone who pretty much set out to make themselves an expert for those listening what advice would you have if you know if you were like had an interest but didn't necessarily have the access one how do you get people to say yes to you coming in and shooting them or anything like that any tips and tricks to get people to say yes to you one way i think and i recently learned this from someone else I think is like a young negotiator. It sounds like a good like rap name, like Y U N G, like young negotiator. Young negotiator. You know, but, but I think like as a young negotiator who is like inexperienced, just trying to like scrappily build my business, I would have answered that question very differently because it would have been very me centric. 
what I've recently learned I think works really well and generally just leads to the most like happiness and satisfaction from like all parties is you don't just want to get a yes if that's going to mean the other person across from you is like getting a no, right? Like the best compromise is when like everyone stretches a little bit. And so for me, I find that the best way to get a yes is when like there's something in it for the other person too, right? It's very hard. Sure, you can ask favors from people, but like it's a hard way to build a business. If you're just take, take, taking, I think you get a lot more when you think, okay, how can I make whatever it is that I'm trying to accomplish beneficial for like both parties? Absolutely. So seeing it from like two sides, I think is the best way of getting yeah. a yes. Do you have any productivity hacks? Like, is there an app that you use to keep yourself organized or is there like a, do you turn your phone off? Is there anything that you do that helps you stay productive? I would say, I don't know if this is a productivity hack, but I can say that I'm extremely productive on an airplane. Ugh. So I love an airplane. Uh-huh. I don't care if I'm in coach, if I'm in like the, by the bathroom. You kind of need Wi-Fi, right? No. Oh. I mean, because if I don't have Wi-Fi, then I'll read a book. I'll read one of those books you post on your Instagram account. Like essentialism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or isn't there one about how to be different or did someone else tell me about that? I don't know. So, yeah, you can read a good book about business or meditation or Buddhism. Um, or if you have Wi-Fi, what I love to do is go through I'm, – I'm horrible at email, and I don't actually intend on becoming better. It's, it's almost like I've come to terms with that. Yeah, me too. So I'll save all my emails, and I'll, like, star them, and then I'll just bang out, like, the whole list of, like, 100 people that I have to write back in an airplane ride, like, whenever that may be. What is the biggest lesson that you think you've learned about leading a team and working with humans? Because many people cite that as the most challenging part of starting a company. Yeah, I think it is definitely, I think leadership is is really, really hard. And it's not something that comes naturally to me. And I don't know if it comes, I'm sure it comes naturally to some people like President Obama or, <laughs> um, you know, I, I don't know you. But for me, no. for me, I've actually been more of a loner. So what, the reason it's it's difficult for me is, regardless of like extrovert introvert, I really have always been like this, just creative, like independent. And so one of the biggest learning curves I've had has been this this you know I started my company originally in my apartment, you know by myself, where I was in control of everything. And now that we're a team of forty people with you know. 10 different teams from operations to finance to product development to creative to, should I say, operations, digital product. I mean, all these different teams that are led by, led and, you know, and run and operated by like really inspiring, inspired and super smart people who are totally different from me. Learning how to really like not only be part of a team, but also be at the front of a team has Mm -hmm. been like totally wild. I mean, it's, it's, it just hasn't come naturally to me. And, um, at the same time, it's been one of the most rewarding things that like I've ever done in my life. I'm constantly inspired every single day when I go to my office, which I tend to do every day that I'm in New York. I mean, I, I, I sit in the middle of, of everyone. I don't have an office. I sit, you know, with my laptop. I'm rarely at my desk. I'm sitting on sofas with people. I'm walking around. And in terms of leadership, like, I don't know that I have a leadership style. I just think, I'm so passionate about what we do and I'm so driven and so fired up by it that even if I'm driving someone totally insane with whatever I'm like tangent I'm off on because I'm very nonlinear and when I get excited about something, it's like off to the races and suddenly that becomes the most important thing. Which I, know. I, think my, I feel like we're very similar. Which I think my team has like understood about me now. So I think they, they know how to yeah. roll with that. Uh-huh. They're, they're like, okay, Emily, great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but 
I think they know that my heart's in the right place, and I think I hope that it inspires everyone who joins our team to be as excited about it as I am in like a very nerdy way, mm-hmm. you know. And and I think leading with passion is is important. Leading with clarity is also important. And I'm very fortunate. I have a a really incredible business partner I've learned so much from named Henry, who is um, our COO at Glossier, and he comes from. Stanford Business School and a venture capital background. And so, you know, most of the things I've learned about marketing and business models and countless other things, personal and professional, I've, I've, I've learned from Henry. So very grateful to have been able to attract this like really insanely talented team of people. So I posted on Instagram something that said, which I've said many times before, don't compare your hustle to their highlight reel. And I think this really resonates with people because we're all looking at other people's lives on social media. And it's people are only posting the best things that happen to them. They're, we're only really boasting. We're not talking about our shitty moments. And why would we? It's not inspiring. We don't want to bum out our friends. Like we can have private conversations about that. And so while my social media may look like I'm gallivanting around having like an amazing life only, I have lots of shitty days and shitty times. So I feel like I'm going to introduce like a new part of the show where I ask like, what was your shitty moment or something just to like humanize the fact that, you know, people look at people like you and they're like, wow, she's really got it all figured out. Do you think you have it all figured out? Absolutely not. I'm like barely, I posted, did you see the thing I posted yesterday of the pug like flying in midair? Uh -uh. And it was like how like most people feel going through life. And it's just this like dog that's like basically, what's the thing where you jump out of airplanes? Like skydiving it's basically just like skydiving pug saying it's okay i'm okay like everything's okay Uh just going through life that's it like falling yeah i think that's important and i will say also that i think i saw that you posted that yesterday and i i or to this morning Mm -hmm. and i i appreciate it because i think it's it's largely true i would say there is a group of people who it isn't necessarily true for and that is gen z Hmm. because i've noticed in my like instagram like stalking moments I go every night throughout the day, actually, and I look on Glossier and I, I tap the pictures of tagged the, of people who have tagged the product. And it's this incredibly diverse set of people from like literally 14 or 15 year old old, you know, girls to women in their 40s posting on Instagram. And we get, you know, not necessarily Instagram posts, but emails from women in their 60s who are like this. I've never seen a brand like this. But the younger girls, like the girls who are like 15, 16, even like Lily Rose Depp is one of them, who obviously is very famous, the daughter of Johnny Depp and Vanessa Paradis. But she's like 18, I think, or 17. Mm -hmm. Actually, she's 16. She's 16 years old. Yeah, she's like a baby. She's a baby, but she looks like an angel. And they'll post like pictures of like, you know, their zits. There was this – or not even just their zits, but being like, why do I feel so – she didn't say this. This was another girl who posted about Glossier, and then I went and looked back at some of her other posts. And it was like – why do I always feel like this? Like, I don't know if I'll ever amount to anything, you know, da 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 da. And her commenters are like, you know, I, I hear you. Like, I feel the same thing. Like, I think there's much more camaraderie and openness about feelings in adolescence. And I mean, like, mm-hmm. a diverse range of feelings, not just like happiness and joyfulness. I think you're right. And, and I've I, seen that for sure. And she is an example of that. Yeah. And I think, I think that's really important. You, you know, I think there's pressure on everyone, I think, by, Media, there's pressure on relationships. If you look at rom-coms, like there's so much pressure to have things just so in a certain way. And it's just not the case. Like marriage is not like it is in the movies. Like it's not like the end of a rom-com. I got married in in January (laughs) and I've known my husband for seven years. 
And it's not all butterfly, you know. It's not like in the movies, and I think the movies can can do a big disservice to to people I agree. by by making things seem a certain way. Or and if if your reality doesn't match the expectation, suddenly you need to like give up and move on. And I think that's like the wrong attitude. No, no that's for when you anything. double down. Right for anything, yeah. for work, for relationships, yeah. and on yourself. I think those are that's where some of like the biggest learnings can happen. What comes up must go down, and what goes down must come up, and that's kind of like there needs to be a certain. I'm trying to achieve. I will be very happy if I can achieve a certain amount of like equilibrium and balance in my life, where I know that there'll be highs and there'll be lows, but ultimately everything kind of levels out. But do you believe in balance? I don't believe in constant balance. I believe in like equilibrium. I believe that in the the pulling of like opposing forces, and that like. Yeah, if if we're all living to like the fullest, you will have very hard challenges and you will have like very great joys. Mm-hmm. And I think we're encouraged to seek pleasure and avoid pain like in life. And so anything that feels like remotely uncomfortable or painful is like, "Ooh, I must be doing something wrong or yeah. I need to fix this." And I don't think that that's that's the case. Accept the pain, guys. Well, it's not like being masochistic and I'm like kidding. moving toward it. No, like, no, 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 no. But no, I think there's like learnings in like heartbreak. There's learnings in failure. There's learnings in, you know. Um, Absolutely. There better be or you're a fucking moron. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're going to do some rapid fire questions. Try to mm-hmm. answer it in one word or as few as words of po- as possible. What girl boss would you love to power brunch with? I mean... Hello. <laughs> wow. We can power brunch. What's the last thing you binge watched? The Bachelorette with you last night oh on your my sofa God. for two hours. Stone. Never again. As... Never again. <laughs> so fun. What foreign city would you like to travel to? Um, I, like I just hit up two of my new favorites. Yeah? One was Tokyo and the other one was Copenhagen. Oh, my God. Tokyo. Favorite <laughs> song right now? I like the new Drake album so much. Oh, cool. I haven't heard but it. But he's so sad. And I'm like, Drake, what are you so him. sad about? Like, your life is good, Drake. He's, he's like, I'm so sad. I the- hate people like you. Like, it's like, Drake, cheer up. Like, he sounds like know, a whiner. His rap is like whining. I mean, me. I think he's, I'm a huge fan. I just like want him to be a little less in pain. He just seems like he's in a lot of pain. And I feel like life is good for him. He just and, needs you know, a little slapping around. Just needs to like chin up. Like, look on the bright side. Cake or pie? Hi. If you had to live in a different city, where would you go? L.A. What superpower would you like to have? I would like to be able to um, time travel. Cats or dogs? I have a cat, but I kind of want to say dogs. Yeah, we hung out with my three poodles last night. I like dogs a lot. What did you think you wanted to do when you grew up? It depends on what age you would have asked me that question. What's the funniest one? I wanted to be a veterinarian. I don't oh, know if that's, that's funny, cool. but I really wanted to. I wanted to be a, what are those people called who take care of like manatees? I don't even know. A marine biologist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So this is my last question. And this is a question I ask every guest who comes on the show. And it's also something that I ask our listeners to tweet in and to Instagram in hashtag girl boss moment. And a girl boss moment can be any time that you felt like you were in control of your life. It can be, I gave myself a bubble bath and I did me time. It can be, I got a promotion because I asked for it or whatever. What was your girl boss moment in the last week? Oh, I know one. It was last Tuesday. I lead a 
So I'm actually really sort of afraid of public speaking, and I'm particularly afraid of speaking in front of my team, which is really weird. Oh, it's me like too. 40, it's like 40 it's like people. It's the scariest of everything. So I started to do these team meetings that I host. I kind of like forced myself to be the host, and I and I write like an agenda every like couple of weeks. But I, I hosted this team meeting on Tuesday because I always want to make sure I prepare for it because I don't want to like tell people to come in at 930 early, like, you know, and sit and listen to me if I'm just going to blab about like meaningless nonsense. But I talked a lot about working together as a team and how important psychological safety is and building like confidence and building like camaraderie in a team, like being able to say whatever you want essentially like everyone no matter what rank or hierarchy or whatever level you are feeling comfortable like in a team to express your ideas is extremely important there's been all of these studies about it so i would say that me just being able to say that and lead this team meeting that i thought i thought was inspiring i mean it was inspired inspiring to me to read about you know psychological safety but that was like a a, a great highlight i think of of the week cool Emily, thank you so much for coming on Girl Boss Radio. This has been a pleasure. Thanks, Sophia. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for building such an awesome podcast. Yeah, it's fun. All right, that was Girl Boss Radio. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with Catherine Minshew, the co-founder and CEO of The Muse. Our producer is Cheryl Morris. Thanks also to Kristen Meinzer, Laura Mayer, and Andy Bowers at Panoply. And if you haven't read Girl Boss, do it now. You can buy it at nastygal.com, Amazon, or anywhere books are sold. Thanks also to the band Phases for our theme song and to my husband Joel for our interstitial jam. I'm Sophia Amoruso. I'll be back next week.